This is AI Podcast, not artificial intelligence, agency intelligence. Our team's going to be 10 times stronger than all the other teams. A platform for agents. When people think of niche marketing, they're thinking so small scale. In real life agencies sharing their thoughts. All you need to do is get in front of more people. To transform an industry. Better coverages, uh, better pricing, just better everything. Real difference between givers, takers, and matchers. Agents. I guess I took a slightly different path coming to the agency. I know a lot of agencies. You can partner your clients with those companies that are looking for that specific target market. This is AI Podcast. Are you ready? I am. Let's go. Agency Intelligence Podcast. Welcome back, loyal listeners. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got another one good one for you today. Josh Fury. He is going to be joining us here in just a little bit. Just actually not a little bit. It makes it sound like a long time. Like he's going to be here probably in about one minute because I've got something I need to tell you first. I want to remind you guys, reminding you again, AI BrainShare. You got to go to AIBrainShare.com. Go to AIBrainShare.com and you can sign up on the waiting list, the wish list, the one of code list. That's what we're calling it. It's that list that basically lets me know that you're interested in going and being a part of it. There's only a hundred people. And right now, there's a lot of details rolling out in my head of how this is going to go. And we're confirming things. The location is going to be legit. I'm telling you right now, it's going to be legit. There's a good chance that it's not even going to be in the continental United States. It's going to be legit. Besides the content we bring, besides the time and experience you're going to have, AIBrainShare.com, sign up on the waiting list. Let me know. If I don't know about you, I can't invite you. Mastermind members get first dibs in. So they're going to be 50 or 60 seats are going to be filled immediately. Then I got about 15 to 20 sponsors. Do the math. I only got about 20 to 30 seats. Go to the waiting list, AIBrainShare.com. BrainShare 2020, it's going to be rocking. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Now, let's get back to why we're all on here. Mr. Josh Fury, how are you doing today? I am doing great. Cass, how about yourself? And you are an agency owner at a Colorado Insurance Advisors, am I right? Yes, I am. That's fantastic. Super. I'm glad you could join us, man. I know we've tried a couple times to get this together and uh, um, there's always been my fault or always been your fault. And I don't know who else's fault there could be besides you and I, but it was, we were a guilty party each time. So it's all right. It's time and uh, time changes and technology, right? I know you're right about that. Josh, (laughs) let me, let me, let me ask you this. Uh, Are you an iPhone or you a droid user? I am an iPhone user. You are? But yeah, but I I've tried Droid. I actually did switch to a Google Pixel probably about three years ago. So I gave it a good try. I think I was uh, using it for like I don't know sixty days or something like that. And there was just some things about it that I I missed the iPhone. So I actually did turn it in and I went back to the iPhone and been on it ever since. Boom, boom, boom. What's the last app that you downloaded? Oh, geez. Um, I want to say it might have been Snapchat because I do have a 13-year-old son and he communicates more through Snapchat than yep. through text these days. Yep. Um, so yeah, I'm 40 and I just downloaded Snapchat. So I've downloaded it for a while, but I bet you if you um, like had a timer of every time I clicked it and it opened up and the app was actually open and I was using it, I would say in the last year or two, I would have like 
two to three hours worth of usage because that's yeah. the only time if i can't get a hold of him any other way i just pop open that snapchat boom, 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 bam he pops right back i'm like oh my gosh you know yep. it's like drives uh, me nuts but hey that's the way that he lives in his world and more power to him so more power to him so do you uh love to win or do you hate to lose which one uh, how does that split with you i'd say i love to win i think the feeling you get from winning um supersedes the feeling you get from losing losing definitely motivates you but you know it's not necessarily a good feeling after you lose get that shot of dopamine he's josh is a dopamine freak like almost feel good on your way home absolutely want to feel good all the time right that's why we got in the insurance business but out but out but a bing always winning always (laughs) winning that's right hashtag that's right that's right (laughs) Skill or luck, what would you say has been the pivotal, pivotal, pivotal thing in your life that has got you where you are now? I'd say skill because I think life gives you situations of luck, but if you're not able to capitalize on, uh, on those you know, with skill, then they're just going to pass you right by. I agree. I agree. I agree. I I see it both ways and I agree emphatically both ways. And that's a good reasoning why. That's a good reason. Take us back though, Josh. Take us back. Let us relate to who you are. Let us understand that beautiful country of yours and in that mind and that office. Take us back to your diaper days. Take us back as far as you want and bring us forward and let us know who you are. (laughs) To my diaper days. All right. Let's see. I I can't remember that far. If you want to go back that far, you don't have to. Yeah, no, I've grown up in Colorado. I came out to Fort Collins to go to college here at Colorado State. Randomly got uh, my resume or maybe not resume, but I was in the School of Business and I got chosen for an internship and it happened to be an assistant district manager for Farmers Insurance that was trying to place some marketing majors with uh, some new agents to kind of like try to help them out. And so that was my intro to insurance and, you know, met some people, met the district manager, some agents and stuff like that. And when I graduated college, had the opportunity to start a farmer's agency, which I, I, if I'm right, you were also a farmer's agent at one point, right? No, 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 I was not. Nope, not me. Oh, okay. Nope, nope. No affiliation with farmers? No affiliation with farmers. Been an independent oh, okay. through, through the, from the beginning. Okay. Maybe there's another connection there that you and I have, but- some. Yeah. So didn't do that right off the bat because, you know, it's like, well, you got to buy a laptop. Well, you got to get your license. Well, you know, you're going to get commissions for a few months and that kind of stuff. And I'm like, I just graduated college. I need somebody who's going to pay me. Right. Unfortunately, I also graduated college right before or no, right after 9-11. So I graduated December of 2001, I guess that was. Yeah. Wow. And um, so not a lot of companies were hiring. I did find a um, job. I was doing like retail assistant manager stuff um, in a town nearby. So I had a little bit of a commute and was doing that. And, you know, it was okay, but it was management and I wasn't a manager. I never have been. I, I'm not good at delegating. I kind of like to do stuff because I can just do it better and do it right, which is not a great quality of mine. But nonetheless, it kind of put me in the entrepreneur mindset and, um, did that management job for about 10 months and I had two options of either um, moving to a different state where they're going to open up a new store, which is totally random or going to corporate and corporate for this company happened to be in Amarillo, Texas. So I flew out to Amarillo, Texas for a week to take a look at what corporate looks like and having grown up in Steamboat and living in Fort Collins, Colorado, and then going to Amarillo, Texas, I was like, absolutely not. (laughs) So I, purchased a book when I was there called 
what color is my parachute and read that on the flight back and decided that I wanted to make, you know, more significance in people's lives. I was actually thinking I'd go into like wealth advising, financial planning and stuff like that, but went back and talked to the district manager of farmers and he said, well, we do that too. You know? And so I was like, okay. And you know, you kind of get your foot in the door with the auto and the home stuff. And then, you know, you're able to kind of maybe, you know, reach for the financial stuff. So I thought, well, let's try it. Let's, let's give it a shot. So started, you know, made it through their program. I was an agent with them for nine years, you know, hit the glass ceiling with farmers probably four years into it, where it was just kind of like, you know, stagnant and there wasn't much growth and didn't really want to invest into it. Didn't really see the, um, I guess the, the opportunity or the big horizon there with farmers and had an office partner at the time that was about 25 years older than me. He, uh, was looking for a perpetuation plan at the time. So started talking to me, I was all over that because he had a, in my eyes back then, he had a huge agency with farmers. You know, he's just this big player with farmers. And so we put together a business plan, you know, presented it to the district manager. He liked it, presented it to his manager. They liked it and eventually presented it to farmers and they squashed it. They said, no, at this time, we're not letting agents buy out other agents. And I was crushed. But looking back, it was the best thing that ever happened yeah, to me because right. I started talking to other people, other captive agents that had left farmers or left American family and, you know, started their independent channel, which wasn't a big thing in Colorado 20 years ago. And they're all telling me, you know, they're all in their 50s and 60s. And they're like, man, I wish I would have done this 20 years ago. So I um, presented it to my then office partner, which became my business partner. And him and his wife got on board and we both left farmers and started an independent agency. And we kind of had a five-year deal that they were going to help build it with me for five years, and then I would perpetuate it. And we did that. And five years later, so I mean, 10 years into it now, um, it's running good. It's huge. It's 12 times bigger than my farmer's agency was in the same amount of years. You know, after nine years of dealing with farmers, it's a huge difference. Right. Right. Yeah. And so, wow, that's a, that's a, that's a heck of a story. And so what is it? What is it? How many employees do you have now there? So right now we have 12, three locations, okay. 12 employees, including me and my business partner, um, different business partner than the one that had started it. You know, I don't know if you'd call this luck or skill, but, you know, kind of piggyback and back on that question. You know, I knew that I needed to find somebody or I shouldn't say I knew I needed to. I wanted to find somebody who would be a partner in building this thing with me who had different skills than I did. Um, and so I was talking to my other friends, you know, it was actually a friend of mine who's another captive with a different, uh, companies with country. And I think I had lunch with him once, you know, just kind of knew him, just mutual acquaintances and said, Hey, do you know anybody who's really good at commercial insurance that would potentially want to partner up with me? And he did. And he connected me and it wasn't the right timing then. And then about a year later, this guy who's my partner now came back and said, Hey, I think the timing's right now. And so we joined up and helped, you know, buy out my partners that helped open the agency or found the agency with me and him and I have been great business partners for the last five years. It's, it's amazing. And so you being a listener, loyal listener, know that, yeah, so that's, that's where we're very similar as well is with Travis. Travis is my business partner and I didn't purposely understand at the time that I should find somebody with opposite, different skills than me, which is what you did. I just got 
lucky in the fact that Travis does. Travis and I, like even when you look at the Enneagram, the Enneagram puts a seven and a three as being some of the most compatible numbers. And we didn't know that, you know, and he's a three and I'm a seven. And we, we, so much of what you just said is what drives your success and the agency's success, you know, is that the fact that your guys way more, your por- portfolio is more wide because you have more tools, more, more arrows in the quiver um, with your different skill sets. And I, I don't think people, I think, I think people overlook that whenever they're finding a partner or getting into a merger or a partnership. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, for sure. And I think a lot of people have the, that, you know, negative bias towards having a partner because, you know, having a partner doesn't always work out. It's just like mm-hmm. having a girlfriend or having a wife. I mean, it's like you can exactly have the exactly. wrong partner and everything goes to hell or you find the right partner with the right, you know, complimentary personality and that kind of stuff that you can jive with. And it can be a great relationship. Um, somebody had said something at I-O- IAOA um, that stuck with me um, because I think, you know, like they're on stage. I can't remember who it was, but somebody asked them about like partnerships and, and he kind of like turned the question back to the crowd. And I was like, well, you know, like, so you don't like partnerships. So is everybody out here single? You know, it's like, well, no, you know, they're all in partnerships. It's like, okay, that's, that's just like business. You know, you find the right one and it's going to work out. That's right. That's right. And and the thing is, is once again, you, you, you want to make sure though, that, that it is the right person, you know what I mean? So, um, and, yeah, and that can be hard to do in the beginning because sometimes, you know, you just want to get it done. <laughs> right. But like you said, you went out with that filter of I, my partner needs to have the opposite skills of me. And I think that's great because personalities sometimes can jive and not jive. But I think if you both realize that your guys are strengths and weaknesses, it, it's real easy to get over that stuff. That's what Travis and I have, have found out. I mean, I literally have to tell you, like we've had one disagreement where we basically did ha, had different stance and and we were dug in and when it finally got resolved between us after three or four days and um, him and I are, are, are do not mind being confrontational but but in a very respectful way we sat down after we had that and said you know what the great thing about that is is you and I I was in one office he was in another office we had a completely disagreement on something that was a very big deal and um the agency never knew about it no one ever yeah. knew um him and I had to get on a couple important phone calls and really work together as a team on some of these things right in the midst of this you know and it, and it was just like that's not worth damaging the the, the business right the ship has to sail right it's got to sail so Josh, what are you doing now? Something tells me you've kind of hinted to it. Loyal listeners, I really don't know. He said in his in his emails that he's do, he wants to share some things with us. I think some of your exact words were, um, I've told this to other people and they think it's unique and it's not being done or something to that to that stance. Uh, take the step up on the platform. What, what do you got for us, Josh? What do you want to tell me? Yeah, I mean, it's nothing like earth shattering and it's something that – you know, Could every be. single, <laughs> well, every single agency owner is going to get there at some point, but you know, I'm, I'm a little, I guess, um, closer to, to wanting that type of, uh, I guess, eh, I don't know what to say like position, but basically where we're at is, is me and my business partner, we never decided that we were going to do this into our seventies or eighties. I mean, there's a lot of agents that do, and I think there's a lot of agents out there that just don't even think about it. Like what's the next step? You know, what do you do? When do you sell? What's your number? All that kind of stuff. And we kind of knew when we started this thing, well, at least when we started our partnership that it was going to be a five to 10 year plan. 
And then we're going to look for that next opportunity and kind of either, you know, stay in the industry or, you know, or maybe even do something else. I mean, the plan right now is obviously like stay in the industry, but, um, you know, we've been interviewing potential suitors, you know, larger agencies and looking at doing a, a, what they call a roll up. So, you know, you're not necessarily selling your agency and then retiring, but you're rolling up and you're taking some chips off the table and expanding your, you know, opportunities, expanding your agency, accelerating your growth and all that kind of stuff, which makes, you know, being a business owner and an insurance agency owner a hell of a lot more exciting. You know, everybody grows and, you know, like a lot of times, you know, the newer you are, the quicker the growth is. But when you get to a decent size, like we're at uh, 10 million in premium right now. So when you get to a bigger size, growth is a little harder to do and the stagnation kind of starts setting in. And I hate being stagnant. You know, I mean, we're still growing at like 25, 30% a year, but, uh, you know, it kind of levels off a little bit. So, you know, and, and that's basically what it is. Like I started telling some of my other friends who are agency owners, you know, people that I went to IAOA with and kind of telling them what I'm doing. And, you know, I started getting those responses like, gosh, I never even thought about that. Well, that's really cool, you know, mm-hmm. like, and so I, I just kind of thought like, oh, this is kind of unique, you know, and I listen to your podcast and a lot of the people that, you know, are in these groups, you know, it's all about, you know, entrepreneur, and, and it's, I guess I, I shouldn't even say that it's not entrepreneurship. It's all about growth and grinding it out and building this business. And it's a beautiful business, but like, eventually, what are you going to do? I mean, are you going to just keep doing it? Are you going to kind of put it on cruise control? Are you going to hire some people so that you don't have to work and kind of like take that, you know, state farm agency type of mentality? Or do you sell it and kind of level up and, and kind of go from there? Josh, how old are you? I'm 40. Sweet. I'm 41. Wow. Nice. You have no idea. You have no idea how similar of paths you, your mind is to my mind. <laughs> I, I already have my, I mean, my wife and I have been talking about this in the last week to three weeks to four weeks, consistently, almost ever, uh, all the time. Nice. Over the last six months to last year, we've started is when we started the conversation, yeah. and then it's really gotten intense. So let's let's go down this road because this is a road that people don't think about. You're right. exactly right; they don't. And let's make them think about it. I feel as if that's one of my jobs in the industry. Let's make them think about it, and. I, I I do like I know what my what I'm what I'm going to do. I know what I'm going to do, and so I've we've started to to create a plan to go that way. So, in your how long have you and your business partner had uh, done this and not been together? You two? Uh, we've been together for five years. Okay, and you but knew yeah, it was going to be a five, old. ten, fifteen year plan somewhere in yeah. there. So you're starting to think about this. Where do you see yourself in five years? 10 years or 20 years. And and it could be solid or it could be guessing or or wants or desires, but tell me what yours looks like, Josh. You know, I think I'll always be in the industry. Um, and I was talking to a guy who, you know, he did this 10 years ago and he's, you know, 50 years old now. And I was, I was joking around with him. I mean, this is a great industry and, you know, it's an admirable role, but, you know, I was like, I told him, I was like, I don't want to be an insurance agent my whole life. He's like, oh, I hear you. Like, <laughs> if I was the same way. And it's not that there's anything bad with it, but it's just oh. like, 
I don't know. I mean, there's so many opportunities that you get from being an insurance agent that yes. you don't have to be an insurance agent your whole yes. life. You know, you don't have to continue in the same position because the insurance industry is vast. So, you know, I would say, you know, like my goal right now is to kind of be the best at what I what I can be, I guess, you know, to play on my strengths. You know, if, if you ask me if I like to win, you know, it's like, yeah, winning makes me happy. But you know, like as an agency owner, I probably spend about 30% of my time producing and 70% of my time doing everything else that I need to do, whether it's admin, operations, management, contracts, uh, cleaning the office, or, you know, I mean, buying computers, you know, everything that we have to do, all those other hats, which is not production. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of agencies out there, you know, especially the bigger guys where they say, okay, well, we have an easy solution to, for this. We'll just hire producers. And, and that's kind of like the only solution that's out there. Right. Um, we right. never went down that route. We right. never said, okay, let's build a sales team and we're going to invest all this money. And we're going to support these guys. Cause it's, in my opinion, it's, it's for a small agency, it's almost impossible to do it right. I mean, you're going to invest in this person. You're going to take money out of your pocket. Then you're going to take time away from your production. You're going to support them. If they're bad, they're going to leave you. If they're good, they're going to leave you, you know, because they're going to get a bigger commission cut over at another agency. Maybe they get more training. You know, maybe they can't get the market access because you're a small agency. So there's opportunities or maybe they just decide like, hey, I'm only getting 40% of the commission. I want a hundred percent, you know, and we all know that there's other expenses that come out of that, but to the producer who hasn't been a business owner and has that entrepreneurial yep. spirit, you know, they're going to leave you and compete with you. So we never went down that road of investing in a sales team and building that type of a, you know, training program or anything like that. Him and I are the producers. And then we kind of built a team around us to support us, but I'm only producing 30% of the time. And he's very similar. Are you ready to transform the way your business communicates? Look no further than Lightspeed Voice, the ultimate solution for insurance agencies seeking a seamless communication. I've used them for over eight years. I'm telling you, what I'm reading is the truth. Picture this, crystal clear calls, advanced features, unparalleled, flexible, tailored, just for you. That's Lightspeed Voice. Tired of drop calls and outdated systems? Lightspeed Voice has your back. Say goodbye to communication hiccups and hello to a new era of efficiency. I love that. Boost productivity with features like call recording, voice to email, and effortless call transfers. Work from the office, from home, or on the go. Lightspeed Voice keeps you connected wherever your business takes you. Don't worry about the transition. Our dedicated support and onboarding teams will guide you every step of the way. Make the switch to Lightspeed and join the ranks of satisfied insurance agency owners, like me, experiencing the power of seamless communication. Ready to elevate your agency? Visit lightspeedvoice.com or call 877.97-VOICE to schedule your free demo. Lightspeed Voice, we're more than just talk. Cast approved. So I agree and I emphatically about 90% of all, all of that. I think you and I, it is really crazy. I'm sitting here listening to you. I'm like, dude, this dude and I are like thinking exactly the same because here's what I believe. The insurance industry has given us a lot of great stuff. And you've heard me talk about my three little lies and I have like 11 or 12 of them now. And I, and I talk about those little lies because because I think they're what, they're what keep us from the big insurance truths. And 
and and a lot of those, the, and we know what those are. You're a listener, but just for anybody first time, those are the a flexible schedule, financial freedom, a community builder or contributor, a empire builder, and mentorship. If you really look at a lot of different things that people want to do with their lives, it pretty much makes up some of those. The first two directly have to do with you and your family, the flexible schedule and the uh, financial freedom. But the financial freedom and flexible schedule allows you to then contribute to your community, then allows you to spend more money in your business and build an empire that then you can then pass along to somebody else, which is the fifth one of spreading and giving back to your community and becoming a a mentor in it. And I think we get prevented from those because we think that we live in those, but we really don't. Because a lot of us who are in, um, who have been doing this for a while, say we do it for the flexible schedule. But a lot of you also know that sometimes you don't go on as many vacations as you should because when you have to spend a week preparing to leave for vacation and then you have to spend extra time in the office when you get back because you were gone for vacation, I think that that tells us right there that we're running a race that we shouldn't be. I think a lot of us make so much money, Josh, that they we overlook the fact that, you know what, we're really not making our worth. Because as you said, that agent who's making 40% who says, yeah, if I go on my own, I can make 60% more. They're right. They don't understand that to this day, my W-2 never has been as big. And yes, it's because I'm an S corp and stuff like that. But what I'm saying is money. I have never made as much money as I did until my last year that I was in the insurance business working for somebody else. Your potential as a producer is hindered as being an agency owner. And, if I took, and there's nothing wrong with that, I, but it's just a fact. And if I took my commission, Josh, I mean, I'm making way more. But but the fact is, right. is I have to put it back into the business consistently to where, yeah, I'm doing this. But here's here's wow, you hit on some some really great things because these are the little lies that I want people to be exposed to. We believe this stuff that we've always been told that if you want to grow, get more producers. Now, what's funny is, is when you look at the statistics, I don't think it's as good as the companies will make you believe. When a company does an, yeah. a, does a, um, a, a survey, they'll always come back to us agents and say, the number one growing agencies are those with producers. But is that growth what that agency is wanting and or needing that is making them happy and creating a good work environment for their staff? Majority of the time that answer is no. Well, I I think like the success rate for like insurance and wealth managers and, you know, that that sales position, I want to say it's like 5%, you know, over 10 years or something like that. Like it's not huge. And yeah, there's a lot of us, you know, we surround ourselves with those, that 5% who's successful and still in the industry. But when I was at Farmers, I think it was very clear because, you know, I was there for 10 years and I want to say, you know, there's 30 or 40 agents that, you know, were recruited and, you know, maybe two of them are still around, you know, after that time period. So, you know, the further out you stretch that time horizon, I think the smaller the number is. So here's where I disagreed with you and let's tie this in, Josh. So where I do disagree with you is I believe in the Billy Williams school that in my agency, I should be getting there around 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning, whatever, that that time's neither here nor there, that's the time. And then I should be able to leave every day by one o'clock and I should be holding my employees accountable 
accountable through doing some checks and different things for the first hour and hour and a half. Then I need to be making, I need to be taking three to four hours and doing just money making time. And that is stuff that only I can do. And I, um, and I only do the things that I, that pay me the most or that allows me to make the most money for my, for me or for my, my business or whatever. And that you should be done. Uh, Billy told me years ago that I shouldn't be selling any policies for us in our agency, Josh, when I quit selling policies, our business exploded and took off on a new plateau because there was a lot of things that weren't being done that I thought were being done that weren't being done. And so Travis and I made a decision. We got together, Tom Baker and Billy Williams put us together and said, listen, we're going to have this conversation. And so Travis and I had a great conversation for like eight hours between Tom. It was almost like a marriage counseling thing. And, and there was no ill will or anything. It was just, we were looking at this and we decided by walking away that Travis is like, you know what? I'm going to do this and this to really make sure that I'm bring, we keep bringing in the new business and working with the producer, the two producers we have. But Cass, I don't want you to sell anymore. We need you to be doing these other things. And I'm not just saying this to say this, Josh. I'm the best salesperson in the office. There's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. And so, and then, but it's like, that was a big step for us, but it helped us a lot. One thing I've learned though, and now doing this, and this is what's helped me create the three little lies in the last two to three years that I've actually been straight managing partner. It's allowed me to say, look at these different things and challenge these norms and, and, and start to look at these, these things differently and start to say, okay, if I need to grow and producers give me a headache, how am I going to do it? I'm going to need to get really focused on something and I'm going to need to get in the, in the more laser focused I get on it, this is going to allow me to then be more efficient and more productive in that area that is then going to allow me to grow to the scalability that I need. I also know I'm going to need less people because I'm going to be so focused on what I'm doing. I'm going to need less companies because I'm only going to have those that are focused on what I'm doing which means I'm going to have less people because I'm not going to have all these processes going around. I'm also going to focus on and make sure, do I need more than just that line of business? Because those are the big, these are the things that I've found that agencies out there are doing to say, how do I get around the fact that we're terrible trainers? Don't hire producers, right? Well, how do I grow without hiring producers? Get work smarter, Right. And so that that is kind of the trajectory that I have been on. So my only part that I disagreed is, is you guys are producers. And I, and and to me at a ten million dollar agency premium wise, I, I think that you guys would maximize if some one of you two decided I'm not producing at all anymore. I'm just going to do like the top three or four uh, big accounts that I've done before because they need me. And I'm going to do that, whether that's him and you take over more sales or he takes over more sales. My personal opinion from what I've seen in the past I think that I've seen it. If you talk to Christopher Cook, I think Christopher Cook would tell you the same thing. He's about a $13, $14 million agency out of North Carolina. And he will tell you the day that he finally said, okay, I'm not going to produce anymore. And he does still on the big accounts, the big whales who goes in on them. But he he said that it it helped his agency. And what what was amazing was he says the staff liked it because it allowed them to actually truly know because – he was kind of caught in between and so was I, and maybe you guys are. Sometimes you get caught in between, is he the managing partner or should I see him as a producer? Because how I treat him is a little bit different. And that's what the staff is thinking. What say you about this, Josh? I've been talking a lot. Sorry. What say you? 
No, no, yeah. And and Billy Williams is awesome. I mean, I follow him as well. And, you know, I mean, those sales programs where you kind of start working on the business versus in the business, mm-hmm. without a doubt, those are super valuable, super helpful. For us, it kind of came down again, like, you know, playing on your strengths. Like, I am not a good manager. And and actually, he's the same way. We're, we're both very, you know, uh, transparent with our staff where we're like, hey, we suck at management. Like, could we get better at it? Yeah. But like, do we want to? No. I love sales. I want to sell. You know, so really it was like, instead of kind of forcing myself into a role in the agency that I'm not really going to gain that satisfaction from, you know, we started looking at, okay, what do I like to do and how can I do more of that? You know, and so that's, you know, everybody's going to be different. What did you see your strength to be? Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what I'm just, I'm giving you my opinion, but how dare I say you're bigger than me, right? <laughs> I mean, you, you do. I mean, I think we have like seven or eight million in premium. You're bigger. So let me ask you this. So so what did you discover that you, when you looked at that, what did you define your um, strength to be versus his strength? Yeah. I mean, we're both sales. You know, we both love the hunt. We love solving problems. We love, you know, bringing in revenue. Um, you know, you feel good when you find an issue, solve an issue and, and build a new relationship with somebody. I mean, that's where I get, you know, those are the days that I drive home and I'm like, today was a good day. You know, like I brought in some like ice cube yeah, was, <laughs> didn't have to use my AK. Today was a good day. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's always a good day when you're not to do that. <laughs> so it, it was really that, you know, and, and you asked me before, like, well, what are you going to do? What, you know, what's your plan? Five years and stuff like that. Like, you know, I have a niche that I focus on and it's the high net worth, the higher value homes. You know, it's a little bit less competitive segment of the personal lines. And I just enjoy it. Yes. You know, and it's one of those things yes. where I'm like, all right, let's go get the education. Let's get the CPRM. Let's get the CPIRA. Let's get all the designations. So I understand it get a couple of the carriers beneath me and understand the product and then go and tackle the thing. And it's, um, it's easier said than done. You know I mean? It's definitely, you know, you, you need the resources, you need the expertise. And if you really want to focus and be that specialist and brand yourself as like the expert in that industry, like you got to have a team behind you and you got to have the time to do so. So that's where I want to go. And that's what I want to focus on. And so those are some of the things that I see like as far as like what the future holds is really just building that segment and that brand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So so going back to that, because that's where I want to extend to right now. So I appreciate you kind of segueing back to that. Is that the 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 thing that that so I definitely am gonna stay in the insurance industry, but I have also realized that. AI has taken a life of its own, right? It's just, I mean, agency intelligence is just, it's just doing, there's just, it's attracting a lot of people. There's, there's a lot of, it's different than it was a year ago. And it's not, it's night and day from it was two years ago. And I see where it's going and I see the impact that I can make. And I have a passion for helping people and making an impact in areas, but I have a bigger passion for helping agents be successful business owners and five find the five truths than I do having my insurance customers save money, help lower their modification factor and give them risk advice. Like I like that because it's a residual income and but it's not a passion of mine anymore. I I love to do it. 
We have totally transformed our agency to where we're only going to start going after whales. A big fish is going to be considered a 50,000 to 150,000. A whale will be 150 to 400,000. And that's what we're going to go after. We're going in with a completely different approach. We're going to scale this thing over the next five years. And in five years, I went out. Yeah. I, I want out of the agency into, yeah, if you guys want me to open up another office in Florida and train a couple of producers, because all we're going to do is we're going to train them on workers comp. And then we're going to have one producer that's going to come through with that person because we've seen the future and there's where agents aren't talking is they're not talking about the workers comp modification factor and breaking that down for customers and then giving them the prescription to fill it. No one's doing that. And, and that's where we have to get in there. Once you get over about the 500,000 to million premium mark, then there's a lot of people doing it. The big, big brokers are up there fighting, mm -hmm. but there's that nice little medium. And so we're doing that. The reason I say this is, is well, Cass, where are you going? I, I already know. I'm going to Pensacola, Florida. I got, I'm going to get a house right on the bay. I'm going to, I'm going to have my boat. And for about six to nine months out of the year, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to work my AI, will work the power and try to help make an impact in agents. And I can do that for my house. I don't have to have a big office because I'm going to be, I'll be traveling around. But most importantly, I'm going to have a fishing charter. I'm going to, I'm going to do deep sea fishing. Nice. I'm going to do only for, only, <laughs> yeah, only for, only for high, big paying clients, no. right? Like I'm not going to deal with the Joneses and they come over and say, Hey, we want to take the kids Coupon. out. No, this is, this is, yeah, no, this is going to be, you know, these people are going to pay big money and, and it means I'm not going to be busy, but I've, I've learned from insurance business that deal with the bigger and you do less work mm -hmm. and whatever. And so I want to do that. And then the three to four months out of the year, which will be spread through, I'm going to be in Cuba. I'm going to be in Cuba building churches, and and that's exactly what I'm going to be doing. And I can see it as clear as day. I really, truly can see it as clear as day. I couldn't a year ago, but the more my wife and I discuss it and talk about it, it's now become that the agency and the insurance business has been just another avenue to me for, to fulfill the things that I really, truly want to do in life. And I am so thankful and this is the reason why, Josh, I preach the preach about the five insurance truths. If you can't find those five insurance truths, you're running a rat race every day. And I feel sorry for you. And that's 80% of our industry. Yeah, no, I agree. And, with and, and they got to find those five truths. And I think the only way we do it is have people like you on, have people on this podcast that, that start to challenge and make people think that like, wow, this guy's actually already thinking about maybe he's going to do something else with his agency. You know, that's that's an interesting thought that I've never thought about. If someone's listening to it right now, Josh, they finally thought about it. Well, you, you know, know, we had hired a business coach, gosh, probably three years ago. And she, you know, she's not an insurance industry specialist or anything like that. But one of the first exercises that she did when we sat down with her and she said, okay, you have a business. Like eventually you're going to sell the business. So what are you guys going to do between now and that time? And and putting it up on this whiteboard, you know, made it very like, you know, just visual where you're like, yeah, one day we are going to sell. So let's build this thing with the plan in mind of selling, you know, and then what does that look like? And for me, Cass, like, and I'm sure you've asked yourself these same questions, you know, as you kind of mull it through your mind of like when, how, all that stuff is, what's my number? You know, what yep. do I need to yep. feel good about no yep. longer being the agency owner. 
is there someone out there that wants to pay me for that? You know, yep. and, and who is that? And then what is it going to look like for me after that? Like moving forward, like what's my role? You know, kind of like what she asked before, like, you know, like, am I, do I retire? Like I'm not planning on retiring. I would be freaking bored out of my mind after about three weeks of not working. So, you know, that's the beauty of this industry, like uh, playing golf with people and writing business and that kind of stuff is not hard work you know it's work and it might be work to somebody who doesn't want to play golf or you know doesn't like communicating or building relationships but you know like to me it's a great personality fit like i like doing that stuff so it just it's a fit yep three mil I already got That's my number. number? People, yeah, people are like, people are like, well, why would you say that? Da, da, da. I'm like, no, I'm probably going to have more than that. I'm just saying that would be three mil. I'll probably end up with about five to six. And with the other different ventures I have and things, when I sell out, and maybe I don't sell out when I'm 46, but buddy, uh, uh, John Spoggy says it all the time. He still owns his agency, but like right now he's in Peru for like four or five or uh, for three or four weeks. Last year, he, he, I mean, the dude was like gone for literally four or five months. And he said, well, I, I made a decision that when I turned 50, I would do what I wanted to do. And I wasn't going to have to have an appointment or meeting or whatever. And if I sell the agency, I do. If I don't, he says, why would I sell? He says, my, my staff loves having me around. I don't have to do anything and blah, 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 blah. And so my power to him. So maybe that looks like that. But I have done the math. And at the age of about 46, I can have three to $5 million in the bank and I can live off that. That'll give me about a hundred to $150,000 a year. And I'm just sitting thinking to myself, like, listen, when I got everything paid off and I've got houses or paid off and everything, well, I don't really need that much. And not only that, it's not like I'm going to stop working when I'm 46. You know what I mean? I'm going to be working for the rest of my life. I love this shit. I love it. But it's not like it's all that. So if I can do that, man, to me, having that big, huge house and then Mercedes Benz and all that, that is not – I'm spending my money in life on experiences, you know, that's what, when they're laying on that deathbed, Josh, and they're about to die at the age of 70 or 85 or 102, they all say the same thing. I wish I would have spent more time with my family and I wish I would have spent more money on experiences and less on things. They yeah. always say those type of things. Not and so if, sure. that's, if that's what they're saying, then let's set our life up that way. It's not yeah. rocket science. You know what I mean? Well, and, you know, we're getting older. I know it's all relative, but, you know, like, uh, you know, as you mentioned earlier, you want to do some higher level things. I mean, you want to give back, you want to help people. And naturally, I mean, you, you notice that in like, you know, in, in probably all industries, but in this industry, you know, the people teaching the CIC and the CISR classes, they're older, you know, the, they've reached that time in their life where they're like, okay, this industry has been so great to me. Now I want to give back. How can I do that? I can teach these classes. I can pass down my knowledge. I can consult these other agencies and stuff like that so you know like naturally if you think about it you know if you have that vision or that horizon you know 5 10 20 years out like it's not being in you know i mean you're not going to be doing the same thing you are now you know so how are you going to set yourself up and and position yourself to be there right yeah and and yeah and the great thing you said it earlier in the podcast because of this industry we have that ability you know, I remember I was telling this to one of my producers uh, just the other day. He is uh, in the Dave Ramsey course. This is this is one of the five truths. This is this is what I'm talking about when we talk about number two and financial freedom is being having the ability to have financial freedom. A lot of people can have financial freedom in any job that they're in. 
but the, your ability to have it is so much easier. And, and the, and the guy said to me, he said, what do you mean? I said, he's doing Dave Ramsey. I said, I remember when I was doing Dave Ramsey in 2014, it changed my life. I mean, I got out of debt so fast, but that's the point of my story is that my wife and I had just as much debt as everybody else there. I was also being a new business owner uh, in the first three to five years. It was tough. And we had this debt. We were able to pay the debt off so much faster than everybody else was because I was in insurance. They had to put in their budget $7,000 a month. And they had to put that in there every month because other people in the class, that's what they made a month, right? The husband brought in four, the wife brought in three. And the amount doesn't matter. What I'm talking about is, is that that's what they had every month. That wasn't that way for us. Once I had started to actually learn and taught how to budget my money, and it's amazing. This is stuff I knew in business, but I wasn't doing it in my personal life. It just cracks me up how humans are. And so I was, so I'm, I'm learning how to get this and to, to budget this money, and I'm getting through this, and I'm realizing like we got out of debt like super fast. Not only because we did what we were supposed to, but the point was I was in insurance. If I knew that I needed to make more money, I just went and sold more. I just called more people right? Nobody can do that. The guy who works and the gal who works at the local factory, they can get some weekend overtime, but that means they're taken away from family, right? We have that flexible schedule and that financial freedom. This industry gives us that. And that's what people can't get. That's what they just don't know. That's that's the truth. That's the truth. It's such a funny industry because, I mean, you know, granted, you know, it's probably a 95% failure rate. But if you tell people you do insurance, you know, you meet them at a party and they ask you, what do you do? And, you you know, I always find creative ways of saying it like, well, I do risk management, asset protection, you know, you know, uh, and they're like, well, wh- what the heck is that? I'm like, it's insurance. They're like, oh, okay. And then their wall goes up and it's like, this is just a conversation killer. But I mean, you know, we know that it's, it's so much better than that, you know, because of the opportunities and that kind of stuff. I was, um, but at the same time, it also prevents competition a little bit. You know, it's like not everybody is flooding into the insurance industry because, you know, they right. realize what the opportunity is because they're so turned off by the term or the thought about it that they just don't even look at it. I was um, I was going through Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A the other day. And um, I think like there, my order was taking too long. So the the dude sticks his head out the window and he starts asking me questions like, Hey, how was your day? You know, what do you got going on? I was like, ah, you know, just heading home. I'm going to kind of rest up, get ready for work tomorrow. And he's like, well, what do you do? And I was like, uh, you know, same kind of thing. I'm like asset management, you know, risk management, that kind of stuff. And, you know, I was like, I do insurance. And he's like, Oh, I don't want to sound like mean or anything, but I think that would be a really crappy industry to be in or something like that. I was just like, I know. I was like, are you serious? Yeah, you know, I was like, you know, I wanted to say so much, but I was like, you know, you work at Chick-fil-A, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't matter if he really worked anywhere, right? It's like the fact right. that they look at the industry, you're like, oh my gosh. And then you and I are having the same conversation about how it's changing lives and allows you to do different things and, you know, and have financial oh, millions well, of dollars on the table and, yeah. you know, like all the opportunity there. It's like, they have no freaking idea. Yeah. And then to add insult to injury, the dude worked at Chick-fil-A. I mean, I try to be rude to anybody <laughs> who works out there or has. I'm not downing it. But considering what the context of the of the conversation, I, I think that was, that was it, little... was, it wasn't a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Wow, but that's the way people think. I remember my father-in-law told me to get an insurance when I was like 17, 18 years old when I was dating his daughter. Still 
still same thing, father-in-law. And he, uh, I told him I'd never been in church one day in my life. And it's so funny, the two producers that we have, I, I had to chase them down for a year because I knew they'd be good. And both of them would be like, man, I kind of go into insurance offices because they were in the sales positions already. They're like, I have to go in every once in a while. And dude, it's like stale and boring in there. And I'm like, oh yeah, there's those places, but that's not our for place. Sure. I'm in there and that's 80%. Not, yeah, that's yeah. not our place. I'm telling you right now. Right. And they yep. always say that when they come to work for us after uh, I, we got a 23 year old, he's been there four months now and uh, he does our personal line sales. And he's like, man, I got to tell you, he's like, I had no idea insurance was like this. He's like, this, this is a cool industry, you know? And it's like, yeah, yeah. how do we get, I said, Joe, how do we get your buddies to think that? Right. And not for me. I don't really want to hire much more. I want to hire like two more people and 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 scale up. We're going to get it to three mil. Our goal is three mil. And in two years, we have to have 51% or more of our revenue coming from whales. That would be 150 to 400 million in premium or in, yeah, or 400,000 in premium is that's, that's kind of our goal to get to where we are. And in five years, boom, and then look at it from there. But Man, I just go to Florida a lot and I, and I love the water. I live on the lake now and I don't need a big yacht or boat, but I love those like fishing boat, like the, the newer ones, you know, that you can put like four people in and head out into the bay, you know, and, and catch something. If I'm going to be a fisherman, I want to catch them. I want to catch something awesome, right? Just like I am in business. I want to catch whales. I want to catch things that are unique. Like you, you want to go catch the the preferred client, right? That's a challenge to find those people and then land them, you know? Yeah. My business partner is just like you. He's a whale hunter, except his whale uh, premium threshold is a little bit higher. You know, he's one to two million in premium. So he's going after the the, the blue whale, Fuck <laughs> the whale me. shark. Oh my God. Sorry about that. Lord <laughs> listeners, the beeping whale. Yeah, dude. The and, and I would love to talk to him one day about that because I would like to know some of his tricks of the trade and trying to, you know, to me, I never thought that I would ever be going after two, three, four hundred thousand dollar accounts consistently. And now it's, it's literally what we do. I had a podcast this morning with Mike, Mike Crowley. I got off the podcast and and literally it was almost late. Got to this electric company, got there. It's like a hundred and eighty some thousand in premium. And I'm turning around, walking back out, literally came right back to the studio, hopped on the podcast with you. And so that Jeez. yeah, that, well, that's exactly what the life is. But I'm not writing that. What I did is I took my producer with me. I'm training him how to dissect that mod. The other two companies are coming in. And I already know I'm going to get this. I mean, I know it's going to happen because the other two companies, the, the the other two agents have already been in there. And normally we're not there. We're not trying to be there at the quoting time. But the other two agents are already in there. And I already asked the client because I'm very thorough. And I already asked the client everything that the other agents already talked to him about. That's one thing a lot of agents don't realize, Josh, especially in commercial insurance. If you're listening out there, the client will tell you a lot of what the other agents have already told them. You just don't have sometimes enough guts to ask. But when you ask, they give you all the bullets you need. And so no one's talking to them about the mod. No one's talking to them about their minimum mod. They've got a mod right now of like a 0.93. Their minimum mod's a 0.81. Then, you know, and I'm bringing this stuff up to them and they're like, holy crap, you know? And I'm like, yeah, and look at this report. And dude, over the next three years, if we can work on that mod, you're going to save anywhere between $93,000 or $179,000. Do you see this? And guy's like, yeah. And I'm not even, I haven't even quoted him yet. I haven't even quoted him and we're going through this. And then I just said to him, I said, listen, if I'm able to help you put these services in place to get to this mod, regardless of what the rest of your insurance is. And I mean, this guy's got boom trucks and everything. I said, rest of your insurance, if I save you twenty or $30,000 on the rest of your insurance, does that even matter? 
And he kind of looked at me. He was like, well, it'd be nice. I said, but what if I can get this 97 for you to 179? That's what matters, right? He said, yeah. I said, well, what if I do both? What if I'm able to come in where you are now, maybe a little bit less, but the coverage is whatever, but I can institute these. You're going to make me your agent? He said, if you can do that, he, he said, you can do it. Well, I already know everything about the guy. I already got his loss runs. Erie's going to literally salivating to get this account. And that that's the different types of things that you have to do. No one's talking about that. And when I go in to present to this guy, I'm not even going to really even care. I'm going to be like, well, have you seen the other proposals? Okay, yeah, mine's the same. Here it is, blah, 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 blah. There's some differences here or whatever. I mean, I'll pull out some wedge items. But to my thing is, man, when you talk to them about the workers' comp, they're like, how come no one's ever told us this before? We're actually going to have that written inside of the marketing material we're making right now, Josh. We're going to use that as, hey, this is what we hear all the time. How come no one's ever told us this before? Or how come this is the first time I've heard of this we hear that every time. And I told that to this guy this morning. And when I got done, he was like, Jason, you're right. He's like, no one's ever explained this stuff to us before. And I've been in business for 15 damn years, you know? And I'm like, I know. And I'm sorry that no one has ever done that to you. They're just trying to compete on this price. And I told him, I said, Rob, that's the thing about it. Like you don't even control the price on the auto or the general liability or anything. The agent or the company does. The only thing you can control the price on is your worker's comp. And no one ever talks to you about that. Ding, 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 yeah, ding, I mean, ding. I wish it was like that with all the larger businesses. I mean, it sounds like you kind of found like that needle in the haystack, mm-hmm. but you know, I mean, it's crazy if you run up against like a $400,000 account and they don't have a deductible on the workers comp. I mean, obviously that's a huge red flag that you can jump in there with the whole mod analysis and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I don't, we don't run into that as often. I mean, and maybe it's just like the competition up here. Um, you know, I mean, what you that's into? already been done. I mean, it's the ancillary services, you know, it's very hard as a smaller agency to go and compete on those larger accounts. If that is where you want to compete, mm-hmm. like we don't have to compete there. We can compete on the, you know, 20 to a hundred thousand dollar premium accounts all day and clean up on them all day. But like, is that, is that satisfying? You know I mean? It, it, it was, you know, it's exactly. not anymore. Exactly. So, so now it's, you know, what additional, services or you know like what do you need to compete on those larger accounts i mean you need legal you need internal loss control you need Mm -hmm. internal auditing you need internal claims you know you need all those positions that are on payroll that a smaller agency you know we can kind of fake it but we're not doing it right you know and so that's the services and then also and, and you know you've been in this industry long enough the more premium you have with a carrier, the more clout you have, the better pricing you're going to get, the more yeses you're going to get. I mean, there's been so many times where we have, you know, a $250,000 premium account and we're struggling to find a market. We ended up putting in a surplus, you know, and then we talked to somebody else and, you know, they could put it in with travelers or mm-hmm. Liberty or something like that. We're, we're like, well, we put it there and we got declines. And it's like, you know, well, you're not the same agency, you know, yep. you're not going to get the yes because you don't have the premium volume that these larger agencies have. So there is that partnering aspect to this. And I, you know, I, I guess I would try to title this as like, this isn't like, Hey, let's sell out or Hey, when do we sell? It's, you know, it's that last question, you know, what does it look like after that? You know, Mm -hmm. moving forward, like you want to find that partner. If if you plan on staying in the business, if you've identified what your strengths are and where you want to focus and what you want to do, who can you partner with so that you can enable yourself to do so, take some chips off the table, enjoy it now. Sometimes it feels premature to do it, you know, at 40, but 
you know, I mean, you're balancing your life, you're setting up a better life for your family. I mean, you're able to do some things, you're able to diversify, you're able to enjoy it. And I mean, you know, if, if you hit your number, you know, like, you know, don't get greedy. Don't wait 10 years until the number's two times that, you know, you never know what's going to happen with the industry. And that's a whole nother aspect. Like, you know, I had talked to Seth and all the data stuff and I'm like, oh crap, you know, like what's going to happen? Where are agency valuations going to be in five years from now? But I, I got lucky um, in, in my deal that I'm working on right now. And it's not done. Everything, the ink is not dry. And so I'd be happy to maybe jump on with you in a year and do another follow-up podcast on like life after equity or life after agency ownership goes away. Mm-hmm. But the agency that we're in conversations with is set up as an ESOP. So it's a beautiful thing, you know, I mean, being able to actually invest and still be a shareholder in that uh, for like that future per, oh you know, God. potential. That's like so what I've been thinking of. Oh my God, Josh, dude, like we are like in the same exact like thinking lane. I mean, yeah, I was studying ESOPs last night. I mean, I really truly was, dude. I was, I was looking at how do I leave this to my employees, right? How do I? How do I just say, "Hey, thank you," right? Because I'm going to have to pay them out of my own pocket anyways, because they've they've helped me build this empire. So how do I just let them continue to build it? You know what I mean? And put a plan in place. Gosh, we're thinking so much alike. It's that's fucking hilarious. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's it's actually pretty scary. Well, yeah. Well, I'm not creating that. That's where I'm moving into. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, hey, dude. I appreciate it really much, Josh. Anything you'd like to say to wrap up and and stuff like that? This has been a good uh, good conversation, and and I think you've uh, challenged a lot of people. And one thing we need to say, though, and I won't say it long, but if you decide that you really love this industry so much that like you're going to stay as an agent and an agency owner for the rest of your life, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. That is what that's not what Josh is saying or I'm saying. What we're just saying is is it's okay to have find people who match your strengths and your weaknesses and find people who can help you, like Josh said, support you and be your substitute while you do do the things that you want to do. This industry allows you to do that. I think a lot of people in life, you'll hear a lot of successful people that will say, the, the key to success is focusing on one thing and doing it really well. I think there's a reason. Number one, that's definitely true. But number two, I think we're allowed to cheat that a little bit as insurance agents, um, agency owners and agents, because once again, it's like the Dave Ramsey thing. Our income fluctuates. We're able to change things the way that we want to when we need to, and we have a complete control and power over our income like very, very few industries have, even if you're just an agent, not an agency owner. And as an agency owner, we have multiple ways to fluctuate it. So that's just kind of what, what the, the way that I take it. And Josh, I really appreciate you um, helping the loyal listeners have that that different perspective. Because whether no, no matter where you are, it's cool, but it's just cool to have that perspective. So thank you, Josh. Appreciate it much. Absolutely. Thanks to you for you, what you do, Cass. Um, you know, getting the message out there is huge. I mean, when you can listen to a podcast and learn stuff, you know, for me, I listen to them when I'm mountain biking or working out, you know, it's like, I got tired of listening to the same old music. I started listening to podcasts. So I'm learning and exercising, which is a great thing. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. It, it really is. And I appreciate you. Thank you very much as a loyal listener. And thank you very much for, for being a guest now. And this has been agency intelligence, you know, where we give you real agents like Josh inside of a real agency, like his agency 
agency and we're giving you the real agency intelligence, which is the stuff that no one wants to make you think about. And then we were also challenging the norms to say, what is the real agency intelligence and not the artificial intelligence they make you believe? Like the little lies, the little mistruths, not being able to find the big five main truths of insurance. So remember, if you want to reach out, Jason at agency-intelligence.com, Jason at agency-intelligence.com, or you can still hit me at the old one, Jason at growprogram.com. Tell me your thoughts, tell me your ideas, and I'm going to tell the world what you have to say. This has been Jason Cass, and me and Josh, we're out. Hey, agents, listen to this, listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it, think of it. Really? We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good, terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now, listen, I'm an agency owner. And I, you know how it is to, to fix a problem. The first thing you've got to do is you got to admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com. Check out what we do because we do all those bad things that you can't do. Really? And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good or you don't even want to do them anymore because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, virtual intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial. But you've got time to search it and look at it. That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you, and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland, and we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. You can ask for me personally, I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast certified.